321 says Edwin, and we're on air. And at City Limits, it's um, the first Wednesday of the month, so it means we're doing transport. So our monthly transport guru, he's only a group once a month. That's right. <laughs> John McPherson has lobbed in. I think that's a good way to put it, Kevin, a guru once a month. <laughs> Former vice president of the PTUA, the public transport ago. users, long time oh, ago. Right. Once, once advised government who took no notes of him, as we keep saying. And, um, John, we'll be talking lots of stuff on transport, including the budget last night, which seems to have got more, more roads. They're going to pave half the Dandenongs, which is good. As you said yeah. in the kitchen earlier, uh, well, people only go there to see the trees, so you might as well take them out. That's right. Well, the people, yeah. the people move there for the trees, and then they complain yeah. about the traffic, and uh, <laughs> the trees will have to come down to fix the traffic. Yeah, that's, right. that's what that's they right. think, anyhow. Well, there was a bloke um, called Ron Smith up there who was a really strong environmentalist lived in the Danny Nongs and he used to argue that making the roads, you know, it always costs trees and things. Mm. And one they were proposing, making one proposal when it was Vic Roads in those days, um, he actually planted as, as, a, as, as a PR exercise, he put a Mallee root Root right. on the on the Vic Roads chairman's desk. He went and dropped it on his desk, and uh, but he was a great campaigner up there. But he always argued that you know at least you do just minimum work. You don't mm. take the trees out if mm. you're going to do any at all, and uh, mm. why not leave it as it is? Because that's what people go there for. Yeah. Well, yeah. Anyway, that's yeah, well, that's the trouble. Um, you know, it's the same. That's the same thing that's happening in Western Victoria with that extension of the. Um, the yes. motorway west, west beyond yes. um, Ballarat and Beaufort. And at the yeah. moment, the Indigenous community is on top, which is great. Mm. I'm going to mm. pour some tea. Um, mm. You want a cup of tea? Yes, thank you. I'd love a cup of tea. Okay, all right. Well, here we go. There's Uno. Do we... Yeah, here's the tea coming, folks. Tray. No, it's much, okay. not much use to but have no the tray radio. to carry it on. I'll just hand it to you. Um, here we are. Okay. Oh, okay, done. And, um, well, that's the tea. I'm going to have a sip of it. Hang on a tick. This is great, great radio. Mm. Oh, I'm sure the audience is, audience is out there cheering now. and no, coming. No, um, sitting down having a fireside yeah, chat. <laughs> oh, yes. No, they love that. Look, there's a headline in the paper last week that got me, because, um, you know, on the week that was, I attempt at times to, um, I don't say make fun of, but to point out a few problems with Bill Shorten, who's, you know, little Billy Shorten mm. ambition, as he's known on the week it was. <laughs> and um, this this shattered me, because with the comedy festival on, there was this headline mm. in the Weekend Financial Review the other day, um, yes. with an interview, interview with a couple of comedians, and the headline is, Bill Shorten, too boring for comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that dreadful? Look, I mean, Bill, he's a potential great... Supreme. And the Financial <laughs> Review thought that was worth a run in their very serious well, news. Well, obviously, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, the best line of the week, though, and this one isn't mine, I must admit, but I love it and I'm going to repeat it. Um, Tony Abbott is obviously getting anxious about his seat. And wow. he's, he's running around in a bus around the electorate. Yeah, yeah. And the slogan on the bus is, a vote for Zali Stegall is a vote for Bill Shorten. Right. Zali, of course, being the ex-Olympic Yes. Ski jumper and who... Quite, quite right wing, I hear. Yeah. Um, well, she's not exactly a left winger. Quite possibly, but she's up against Tony Abbott. But the lovely line, the lovely response line came from one of her supporters and they're running around with a slogan that says... What do you think it says, John? One, one of her reporters saying... Was the, the, their response to that line, a vote for Zali Stegall is a vote oh, well, for Bill Shorten. 
Well, a vote for Tony Abbott is a, is a vote for Tony Abbott. That's it. Brilliant. Yeah, exactly. It's a lovely line, isn't it? A vote for Tony Abbott is a vote for Tony Abbott. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's that. It can't have been that difficult if I got it. <laughs> oh, well, don't put yourself down. No, 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 you got it well. You got it well. Oh, thank you, Kev. Yes. Well, there we go. That's the northern reaches of, of Sydney covered. What else can we discuss? Well, we've done the, Yeah, we've done Sydney now. Although, no, we can do a bit more about Sydney because... Oh, okay. um, and, an and New South Wales politics, and on that, yeah. Now, this is interesting because Gladys um, Berejiklian, the, the the premier, and it's the first time she's been elected in her own right. I she, wonder how you really yeah. say her name. I'm, I'm sure it's not Berejiklian. Well, I'm sure in whatever. But, yeah, but anyway, Berejiklian. <laughs> we're, we're never going to find out. That's no. phonetic, isn't it? Looking at it, yeah. um, but. She, it's the she's now the first woman elected premier in New South Wales because mm-hmm. she wasn't elected before no. she took over from a That's bloke in midterm yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Bruce Baird. Bruce Baird. It was a beard. No, 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 it was Bruce, it was, his son. Yeah. Well, yeah, whatever. It was a beard. Yeah, the beard. Anyway, yeah, yeah okay. Uh, and um, so, but her her campaign really pitched at the women's vote during the whole show. Mm-hmm. Now, before the election. The 24-seat ministry had 18 men and six women, but now that she's got the women's vote and really into women's issues, what no. do you reckon it is now? Oh, probably the women have shrunk to four? Five. Right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> they got rid of one. Right. <laughs> and so it's, it's now 19 men and five women. Right. Now, this is called, this is called real politics, Kevin. Right, OK. This is, this is where you do what the factions tell you to do and you don't, don't even stop to argue. Yeah, and of the five women, by the way, four are national parties, only one from her own party. Oh, I don't think she likes women. <laughs> well, I don't know. But anyway, it's just uh, interesting, that's, isn't it? That's a bit spooky. Yeah, the old Gladys. It's a bit spooky. Yes, yes. So it's, it's interesting because... A man wouldn't dare get away with that. <laughs> no, well, that's right. But, well, it, the point was made, but there's a headline about it. But mm. nonetheless, it, the headline in the Finn Review, by the way, was New South Wales female premier cuts women ministers. So at right. least they pointed it out. Oh, it's fairly um, straightforward. Yeah. I wonder what the Daily Telegraph had to say. Uh, well, <laughs> good question. What would, what no, would Rupert's point be? Yeah. yeah, what would Rupert's point be? Yeah. Uh, now, this is one I find mm-hmm. interesting because I really don't know the impact of it, but, mm-hmm. the, but a multi-million dollar offshore wind energy project in Victoria was a yes. step closer after it won Commonwealth approval for an exploration license. Yes. yes. The star of the South project is for 250 wind turbines, etc., etc., off the coast of South Gippsland near Port Albert. It's a lot better than offshore gas anyway, I guess. Yes, it is. Um, Produced, providing enough energy to power up to 1.2 million homes, which is pretty Mm. incredible, and 12,000, the usual jobs, 12,000, etc., and allows them now to undertake technical and environmental studies of the seabed and marine environment and the maritime union supporting it, but... And the local community will be consulted. Well, they aren't often consulted on these things, but they must be when it's wind. Um, but um, I just wonder... It's quite a long way offshore, Kevin. Yeah, that's, I'm just wondering what the environmental impact might be, that's all. I mean, it, it probably is a good project in environmental terms for wind rather than mm. gas and stuff. But um, I'm, it, it is ongoing, but we should at some stage try to work out whether we'll find someone who knows about these things, mm-hmm. whether it's going to cause some environmental damage out there in the ocean somewhere. But well, who knows? well um, yeah, I can give you examples. Like the UK has now got an awful lot of offshore wind, wind farms, and um, they're getting, they're, they've got to the point where 50% of their energy on quite normal days is now produced by wind and solar. For the whole of the UK, yeah. mm, so oh. I think I think it's sort of thing we'll have to get used to, 
Um, it's it's a it's a good windy site. The water isn't too deep. Uh, it's quite a long way offshore, so it's not even obvious to the um, mm. the surfers and things like that. Apparently, yeah. Um, you know, it's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those as long as there's no ongoing problems with what, yeah. it, what it does. To well, the you know what? The, well, you know what these people argue. They argue that the towers yeah. that they bang in the water provide lots of lovely fish that's right, habitat. That's right. Yeah. Of course, they can. That's right. They can <laughs> so you know, yeah. <laughs> we have been a touch remiss. We forgot to mention what's on, other than you know you're here to talk about transport. But we're also going to be mm. talking today to Tim Reid, who's the newly elected or recently elected Greens member for Brunswick, um, who's recently approached the Minister for Transport to raise some local transport issues, including upgrading the Upfield Railway Line, and there's the issue now around the Moreland Station where the um, level crossing chain, mm. where they're planning to knock over some beautiful trees in the garden outside Moreland Station. So there's a number of... He wants to talk about a number of local issues with us, yeah, so we'll good. get him on fairly shortly and have a yarn yeah, to Tim. Good, good. So there you are. Mm. Uh, that got rid of that bit of remiss. Um, now, th- this one's interesting in that two wrongfully convicted men were released from a Florida prison after spending 42 years behind bars for a murder they didn't commit. Another suspect confessed to the murder years ago, but only now have Clifford Williams, 76, and Nathan Meyer, 61. So 40, he must have only been 19 when he went mm. into jail. Mm. Um, is that right, 19? I think that's about right. Um, being cleared of the 76 killing of Jeanette Williams, both originally received life sentences. Well, lucky it wasn't the state that executed you. Um, yeah. And the, then the, um, they were freed up after the Conviction Integrity Unit of the State's Attorney General reviewed their case. But again, some years ago, someone suspected, um, confessed. And, you know, if, they had, if it had been a death penalty, they would have been executed about, third, about 12 years ago because they usually spend 30 mm, years in prison before they actually execute you. Yeah. So you, you do more in prison than a, you do for murder in Australia before they actually execute you, mm-hmm. which is pretty good over there. Um, but, you know, that's just a good example of well, maybe how the death penalty can be a bit of a problem. Justice delayed, yeah. Yeah, they Very couldn't much. a bit hard to bring them back. This one is also not, uh, not great news, John. Right. Five whaling vessels have returned to Japan after hunting minke whales in the Antarctic, defying international condemnation, etc. The yeah. fleet killed... Listen to this. The fleet killed... You're going to have to, aren't you? haven't got a choice. What a stupid thing to say to you. Listen to this. I mean, you're going to have to, aren't you? The, the fleet killed 333 minke whales for scientific purposes <laughs> over 72 days. Wow. On Friday, another whaling fleet set off to catch 127 minke whales in Japanese waters in the country's last scientific research mission because it's leaving the International yeah. Whaling Commission. It's just going to go out and kill them for food now rather right. than... So it might, might might cut back on its scientific stuff in the future and do a bit more eating. Apparently, um, apparently yeah. not many Japanese really want to eat whale these days. No, they're, um, they're stashing a lot of it away in frozen, frozen stockpiles. The young yeah. people particularly aren't very interested. And they, um, yeah. Yeah, so there you it's, are. Um, it, seems like, it seems to me like a case of just complete cussedness where they just refuse to be... Um, um, have it, you know, to accept that that it's, um, you know, a pretty outrageous thing to do. It just they feel like it's their uh, God-given right. Some cultural thing, mm. but the scientific mm. thing must be pretty cultural. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, anyway, that's not good news, and not good news either. Because two or three years ago, there was a big dispute with the Transport Workers Union and the federal government when they cut out the um, the road safety, the the 
the, the transport oh, safety yes, yes. body, whatever it was yes, called, yes. and said everything would be okay, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That well, was a bit of labour whimpery. Put it, having having that. That's wasn't, right. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and it you know it did do things to protect uh, drivers, mm. but. Wasn't it also concerned about wage levels for drivers? Yes, as well? it was that all yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the there was a protest by drivers this week, cause, mm. but twenty seven people have died in truck accidents across Australia this month. Mm. That this month being no, it's now April, but mm. in yeah, in March, March, March yeah, yeah. yeah, sure. Um, and. Uh, since the government tore down the road safety watchdog nearly three years ago, 535 people have died in truck crashes, mm. including 115 drivers. Yeah, yeah. And a Monash study found truck drivers were 13 times more likely to die at work than any other profession. Well, that's um, that's, and this that's incredible when we're yeah. told all the time how bad, the, you know, and it is bad, the construction industry is. So for the, for the, for the, the truckies to be 13 times... Worse. Well, of course, it's not only truckies; it's people in yes. other vehicles as well. Well, that's right. I mean, that that that, that stat five thirty five yeah, died, yeah. one hundred fifteen drivers. So the yeah. others were people who just yeah, happened to be hit yeah. by trucks or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, well, my my argument would be, well, why aren't we putting more long distance freight on rail? Why is the why are the you know the percentages continuing to slide the other way, where long yeah. more and more long distance freight is going on the road? You know why? Why doesn't the government have actual policies you want to, come to, no, no, to require? No. You know to require. You know, with the sort of sticks and carrots governments can use, that more long distance freight goes on rail, because the um, I think the uh, the B double trucks are shown to be um, very dangerous. If you're in a truck, if you're in a crash with a B double truck, mm. truck, I think it's uh, even worse than a normal semi trailer. Um, and so, you know, they're basically, for economic reasons, going. Com- they claim they're for economic reasons going completely against what makes sense to the normal punter in terms of both economy of, tr- of transport, um, not to mention things to do with greenhouse gas emissions, and also we now discover to do with the actual road toll. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's... it's um, yeah, and governments over the years have always said they're going to fix up the problem of drivers being given schedules where they're forced mm. to drive hours and mm. hours and take drugs and things to keep awake and they mm. end up, you know, going to sleep and all the things that mm. happen. Yet it hasn't happened. According to the, you know, the complaints this week from the mm. drivers in mm. that rally, yeah. they've still given these dreadful schedules where they're yeah. forced to... Uh, yeah, you know, yeah well, that, that, that as well, of yeah. course, yeah. And um, somebody who's half asleep is going to be very, you know, unreactive if there's a crash situation happening mm. happening in front of them. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty obvious, really. Yeah, it is. But <laughs> obviously not to government and that no, sort of thing. No. But, uh, I mean, you know, somewhere like the USA, which we always think, oh, they're, they're, they're more capitalist than anybody else. Well, they may be more capitalist, but they also have far more long-distance freight on rail than we do. Mm. Far more. Mm. Yeah, well, there's been, a, there's been a tender, or they're called for tenders to build the part of the inland rail Yes, thing in the last week or yes. two, yes. and the the people promoting that are saying that's going to work to get more freight off the roads. So yes. This is basically in Queensland at this stage. Yeah, um, I think it's going to it's going to it's oh. supposed to come down the whole coast. Oh it, no, it's not uh, coming down the coast. It's coming down the inland. Well, inland, okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. going it's going up through um, it's going um, up through Albury and then to Journey up in New South Wales and then up to Dubbo. And uh, parks in Dubbo, and then north through Moree in, in New South Wales, and then into southwest Queensland, 
and then it'll arrive it'll arrive in in Toowoomba coming from the southwest and so Toowoomba's you know 100 miles 100 miles yeah. 160 kilometers west of Brisbane yeah. and then down from Toowoomba to Brisbane that's the that's the route yeah, and work starting seriously. Work starting. Yeah, the Australian starting, yeah. Road, road Trail, what do they call it? Road Rail Track Corporation That's has right. been calling for the tenders. But yes, well, is, is it a good idea? Yes, yes. It's a, it's another one of those rail ideas where, where you know, it may not it may not make the money back in the first twenty years, but after we've had it for fifty years, we'll say, thank God we've got this this extra route, but north south because we'd have been in real tri- strife without mm. it. But um, it would be a really good idea if government also started to change its policies towards um, um, requiring long-distance freight to go on rail so that this thing can perform well from, the, from day one rather than what happens at the moment where the, um, the, road, the road freight operators don't pay enough for the use of the roads, <clears throat> whereas anybody who uses the new inland rail will pay quite a high fee per tonne-kilometre tonne to um, to to put their train on the track, and that's quite a, quite a, quite a different situation to that which happens on the roads. So yeah. so it's not it's not um, it's not a level playing field between the two modes. Yeah. In a letter this <laughs> week, um, the CEO of the of the, cor- of the corporation yes. um, he he claims Pull- it'll, yeah. he claims it'll make money from day one. <clears throat> As he, you say he won't. It won't. Well, it, it'll, it'll make it might might make money in one sense. It depends whether you want to cover your capital costs or not. But um, it'll take a lot longer to cover its capital costs. But then, of course, we never expect roads to cover their capital costs. No, because uh, no, they're an investment. That's right. Public yeah. transport is always yeah. a cost. Mm, mm. That's the difference, yeah, John. You've got yeah. to understand these things. I know. Yeah. I know, Kevin. I try hard. <laughs> You've been trying for many, many <laughs> then years. I, then, I keep, then I keep sliding back, you know. <laughs> yeah. By the way, you were pleased to know that um, – the, the banks' problems, the problems of the banks breaking the law are all over. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. They've closed the, the door. No, well, the bloke from the... From They've our, locked them in jail. That'd be the good. Blokes from the bloke who heads the authority that's supposed to enforce them um, called out at this conference this week. He said, obey the law. He said he told them, obey the law. That should do it, shouldn't it? Clearly. He's Just tell them, obey the law. They'll clearly do it. Clearly sounds... Oh, that's so right. They, they probably didn't realise they weren't. Well, I, they'd forgotten, you know. It would all, yeah. it, it would all yeah. become so... Um, so, uh, you know, lost in the mist, mists, they'd, they'd forgotten about all those laws. Speaking of the bank inquiry, the trouble AMP got into, etc., and their, their chairperson and their CEO, etc., were all forced to resign. Yeah. David Murray, the ex-head of the Commonwealth Bank and who, yeah. Um, yeah. who writes reports for the government telling mm. that workers need to be crushed and that sort mm. of important yeah. economic yeah. stuff, yeah. Um, he um, took over as chairman of it, chairman, mm-hmm. it says here, chairman mm-hmm. of, of um, AMP. Oh, right. But you'll be pleased to know, because these things are part-time jobs. I mean, he just goes and chairs a meeting once a month or something. He probably sits around with the it CEO is. and has a chat. But, I mean, he's got all, all sorts of other directorships, etc. Sure. But he's actually taken a 22% cut in pay as his chairman's, you know, just his little uh-huh. remuneration for chairing the odd meeting. Um, and he's cut back to... It's, well, it's awful, John. You're going to find this hard to believe. He's now only going to get six hundred and sixty grand. Gee. Yeah, he's, he was getting the current. There was eight fifty grand before, mm. but he's taken the cut. Six sixty mm. grand for mm. chairing a meeting. I, mean, I wouldn't mind. I chaired meetings at times. I wouldn't mind getting. Gee, what, what a selfless individual he yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. selfless. Yeah, mm. oh, he's given it up. He's a good man, of course. He, he makes great well, reports. <laughs> he knows we need more productivity a, from workers. He's, he's certainly he's certainly a hard liner <laughs> on, 
Capital should get all the rewards, none go to labour. Hmm. Yeah, well, that's that's because then it's invested and there's more jobs. Oh, right. See, if it goes to labour, it costs workers' jobs, John. You know that, don't you? Speaking of which, therefore, this is the headline again. In yesterday, (laughs) Monday, April 1, it wasn't an April Fool's joke, unfortunately. Small business plea to labour on wages. No need to read on, of course, but um, small business is screaming that if labour gets away with the living wage it's talking about, Mm. then... um, yeah, they'll just have to get rid of workers. It's no good. It's shocking. Oh, dear. I, I sometimes think, you know, employers are so good. All they exist for is to employ people. They do, Kevin. And all these, all these things that get in the way, like having to pay them and that sort of thing. Well, um, a lot of them try very hard not to pay them. Yeah, they do their best. Mm. Often don't. Mm. Um, but, um, you know, really, if workers are such a bloody problem, why not just get rid of them altogether? Mm. And the employers just do the work. Well, what about... Oh. Get in the robots. Yeah, you know, get yeah. in the robots. Well, that's the day that is coming, actually, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, It'll be great at the cafe when you get your robot creaks up to the table and says, what mm. coffee would you, what's your coffee, water? <laughs> and then squirts something at you. Um, <laughs> press. You'll have pre- to hold up your cup and right. at the... Press button B. You had your cup in the wrong spot, John. Um, <laughs> and just to finish up before we go to, um, go to Tim... Um, some of Port Phillips Bay's most popular beaches are among the least clean, and we've been talking about, of really? course, the Stony Creek damage that was caused in that fire last year, and it, oh, com- yes. it comes into the Yarra right where it goes into the bay, and I've had a, you know, I went down and had a look at it, and it's just destroyed. It's terrible, and the pollution's awful, so you can understand all that. But the, the, uh, the worry is that the most polluted beach is Brighton, John. Isn't that awful? <laughs> Well, I'm sure those people don't have septic tanks, Kevin. No, 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 that's right. So Brighton and... They'd be definitely be attached to the main St sewage. Kilda Beach was second last, and then, mm. but other, you know, um, Sandwich, South Melbourne, Port Melbourne, Elwood, they were all pretty bad. The mm, best really? beaches are around, around Geelong on that side of the bay, and oh, okay. pretty, pretty obvious reasons, I would have thought. Yes, I do that. Look, let's have a break and we'll go and get uh, Tim Reid on. Okay. The phone. You got a phone number? Or I've got a phone number for him. We'll yeah. give it. We'll, we'll get it. We'll get him on the line. Can we have a break? Yeah. You're listening to 3CR, 855am, the voice of the community. In December 2017, Tanya Day, proud Yorta Yorta woman and much-loved member of the Aboriginal community, was travelling by train to Melbourne. When V-Line staff found her asleep, they called Castlemaine Police and she was removed from the train and charged with public drunkenness. Tanya died 17 days later as a result of head injuries sustained while in custody. This would never have happened had the recommendations of the 2001 Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody been implemented. Tanya Day's family is calling for the crime of public drunkenness to be abolished and for the implementation of genuine community health alternatives to incarceration. Please add your support by signing the petition at 3CR Reception, 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy, or online by entering Tanya Day Petition into your browser.
March 16, the Sintani region of Jayapura in West Papua was hit by massive flooding and landslides, killing at least 89 people, with more than 6,000 people evacuated from their home. 74 people are missing and 159 have been injured. This disaster is the result of torrential rain coupled with devastations of the mountains, also poor waste management, polluting and clogging waterways, leading to flash flooding and mudslides. At this time, West Papua people need your help more than ever. Help us. Reach our goal to raise $10,000 to provide emergency supplies, food, first aid, nappies, baby food and milk formula. All money raised will go directly to Yayasan Abdi Budaya Nusantara, a foundation facilitating the evacuation camp in Sentani, West Papua. Donate online at https chaforg project flood relief for West Papua. West Papuan people need you. It's time to help and don't make them feel alone. Ah, yes, I did an interview about Bougainville, speaking of that, um, on the program last night. But anyway, another question. On the line, we've got Tim Reid, who um, is the recently elected member for Brunswick. He's the Greens member. And, uh, uh, well, one, still uh, still soon enough, Tim, to congratulate you again on your victory. Um, Thank you very much. Yeah. And, um, and, of course, you come on today to talk about transport in the inner area. One of the issues currently on the agenda is the 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 rail crossing changes at Moreland Station where one of the, the plan would be to knock down some of the trees in the garden next to the station there which are quite a, you know quite attractive and obviously the trees that ought to be preserved anyway um, a comment on that one yes so uh, just across the tracks on the west side of, of the tracks from Moreland Station is a little park called Gandolfo Gardens I believe he was uh, the first non-Australian mayor of Coburg um, Gandolfo uh, from possibly Sicily, I think, uh, Italy certainly, and um, uh, it was a nice little um, oblong park with a path through it and some very well established shady trees and some quite tall eucalypts and I'm not sure what the other ones are. Um, and this is a, a nice leafy barrier between the neighbourhood houses across the street and the railway line and what will be the elevated uh, rail there. To chop all that down to park some trucks would be a terrible pity. And and I um, spoke to some people from the Level Crossing Removal Project and, and impressed upon them that if, if the one thing they could do would be to save as many of those trees as possible, uh, that that would definitely win them some brownie points with the community. Well, one, one solution surely would be to, seeing that they're raising it and the, you know, the whole work's taking place, to move the station to the other side of Moreland Road. To move the station. Well, well, the station's where it is now, but it's going to be elevated. So why not? Why not put the station on the other side, rather of, of Moreland Road, rather than um, where it is now? Look, I, I'm. Um, I dare say that's possible. The, the just to be clear, the station um, Moreland and and Coburg stations. Uh, Moreland is a it's, it's a historic building, right? It's, I don't know how old, but it must be over a hundred years old, and um, so. I think the the impression I got from the meeting was that they they would leave them alone and and find another purpose for them. 
Uh, they're lovely old buildings. They'd make a great neighbourhood mm. house or something. Yeah. Um, and and on their sleek modern concrete bridge, um, that that they'd stick a, a platform and a roof and and um, and so on. So there'd be some sort of new structure that would serve as a station up there. Stations these days aren't what they used to be with staff and everything, and now they're little more than than a tram stop, really. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's the kind of thing I imagine we'll get. Yeah. I've got, by the way, John McPherson from the public, or ex-public transport users, but he's our monthly guru in the studio, and also we've got um, Meg Kimber in the studio, so we'll all we'll be chatting to you. Fantastic. <laughs> um, so th- this is going to be a rail-over-road um, crossing of Moreland Road, right? Yes, uh, and... Uh, but more than just Moreland. So originally okay. it was, they said, Moreland Road and Bell Street, but there's two roads crossing in between those two, mm. uh, less the, the lesser-known Munro Street and Reynard Street. And mm. um, they that whole strip, it's about two kilometres long, mm-hmm. um, and I think the intention will be to uh, elevate the lot. So you'll have a 2K, at least two-kilometre elevated section, um, which would make sense. So they talked about Raynard and Munro as likely uh, replacements, and um, the original idea that was possible, which was to go up over Bell, down to ground level, and then up over Moreland, was a little bit too much like Luna Park, Mm. for my liking. Yes, yes. um, So uh, elevating a, a big segment makes more sense. I should just say right now that there's a um, a strong community push for people who live around there to put it in a trench instead of elevating it. Um, well, so that's, that's that's been a reaction most places actually. Yeah, yeah. In, in, indeed, um, I'm. You know, my approach to this has been well. First of all, um, if 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 we had to sell the Port of Melbourne and, you know, or privatise it to get this money. I'm not sure that this is what I'd be doing with it, but given that it's going ahead, um, I, I think, um, you, you know, you want to get the best outcome for the community. And the downside of elevated rail is that you wind up with a big, ugly concrete bridge to look at. Um, and there, there are a lot of advocates who say, oh, no, they look they, they look quite good, in my opinion, and so on. I, I just... I don't know that most people really want to step out of their back or front door and stare at uh, at, at a hulking um, concrete thing. Um, but the problems with a trench seem too numerous to overcome, mm. and there are benefits with elevated rail, which is that you can walk to the other side. That's which, right, exactly. Yeah, which you can't do with a you, trench. You get you, you get um, you yeah. get access through. Through the corridor, and there's also for most of the <coughs> length of the corridor, only the bits where the where the lines coming off the ground. Is and it? there's space that can be used for other purposes yeah. as well. So yeah. I think yeah. I think the reaction, I think the surprised reaction down the southeast has been that that they don't mind it. You know the um, elevated, you know the elevated um, oh, lines. sky rail, as yeah. Rupert Murdoch yeah. calls it. Yeah, um, and people are finding that. Um, that the noise is no greater from the trains than it was when they were on the ground. And that, yes. that, that in fact, you get a sort of covered area in under, underneath the, um, the tracks, which sort of makes 
uh, quite a good good approach to the station, you know, where you can mm. then go up an escalator. Um, and you can have modal interchanges. And you, and you can well. then bring you mm. can bring buses in quite mm. close to the to the to the you know to the entrances to the station, things like that. Better than having the buses on the other side of a car park on on the ground level, which is often what happens in Melbourne. Um, I don't. Yeah, I I think it I think it is a. You know, it, there is quite a lot to be said for Skyrail. There, look, um, I I agree, and I see the. Uh, you know, I, I, as a sort of local member who's been approached by people advocating either point of view, yeah. a lot of people, by the way, pushing for a tunnel. Right. Um, but of course, the problem with the tunnel is that it won't happen. It's just. No. <laughs> they ain't going to get yeah. that. <laughs> Which is a pretty major problem. Yeah. Right? <laughs> they, might get, they might get that in Turak, but they sure, sure, sure ain't going to get it in the northern suburbs. <laughs> uh, yes, and, and, you know, that just. That distinction is not lost on us. Um, <laughs> the the, but it, I I have to say it's yeah. it's, it's quite a phenomenon. There yeah, must be yeah. you know yeah. you know eight hundred or a thousand people who are dead against this elevated yeah. rail and, yeah. and yeah. whatever whatever we think, um, yeah. it's yeah. an important consideration. And by the time people, one of the things I'm learning in my very short time in, right. as a local member, is that by the time people get steamed up enough to contact me. Yes, they've already dug themselves into a position, mm-hmm. um, and so I I don't necessarily stand much chance of winning people over. But mm. um, that doesn't mean I need to obviously give in to whatever I'm being, mm. whatever's being advocated. Mm. But mm. the um, the it, it, it's a it's a phenomenon to consider. Uh, but I think this this issue of the trees is one where. Really, you could probably do elevated rail and save most of those trees. So, let's as at least as a concession to community sentiment. Is the area laid out as a park? How I've never. I'm yeah. sorry, I've never it, quite seen it. It's, it's it is. It's a, it's a park, lovely little park. With park yeah. Paths and trees, and I mean, this is but it's, it's but it's yeah. actually still railway reserve, is it? Or? Yes, yes. So the railways. So the PTV would argue that we can do what we like. Probably, yeah, they could. But the, the, mm. we going back to the eighty late eighties, early nineties upfield line campaign. We started. Yeah. I use we a bit loosely there, but I was involved. We we started the the garden at Jewel, mm-hmm. which has um, been developed, and there's still teams working on it. Um, and since then, the the groups have taken over every station along the line there, effectively yeah. doing okay. gardens, and they now cooperate, so they have working bees between themselves to doing each other's. So it's a really communal thing that started with those gardens around the railway lines. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, it does seem um, does seem if there are, are other areas that they could use. Yes, yeah. and um, uh, I, I think there are other areas. And and look, we understand that the trees that are right on the edge of the line may well need to go. Um, but um, yeah, I reckon there's. I reckon they'd be able to work their way around preserving most of them. Um, look. The other thing I want to say on this issue just quickly is, is that there are some important reasons for elevated rail that uh, there's a lot of basalt under there. Pentridge Prison's not far away and it was oh, okay. made out of, of that basalt and I think that makes a huge, that's a huge barrier to trenching. And um, also it's a, it, the rail reservation is very narrow mm. Um, mm. and it was explained to me that a trench takes up more space than you think because of the need to... Uh, Excavate it wider than you want it to be, and then build a retaining wall. Yeah. 
Um, and so, uh, you know, here am I, a, a, a doctor who's who's got into local politics for all sorts of reasons to do with climate change and everything, and and now suddenly I'm I'm an expert in trenches. <laughs> um, so, which um, which. So don't don't believe everything I say. By the way, I'm I'm, I'm not really an expert. Um, Tim, what when you were campaigning and since you've come into office, what are the main things that people are talking about in terms of transport in that area? Yeah, so it, it's by you know, you know accident rather than design. Mm. Um, our local campaign in Brunswick was dominated by transport, and mm. that was because these were the issues people were talking about and because they aligned very much with with Green's priorities. And um, so obviously we want to see large-scale mode shift away from cars, um, which probably um, fits in with, with uh, your perspectives. And mm-hmm. the um, locally, we've got a lot of traffic congestion as people drive in from the northern suburbs into the city and, and from Brunswick into the city. We've got a lot of apartment growth with uh, increasing population density around here. A lot of people moving into apartments who don't have cars, mm. um, often to the surprise of people. Um, the because you know people might move into an apartment. They've they've come down from Sydney to work in Melbourne, and and they're they're living next to a tram line or a train line, and and a car for them would be a nuisance. Uh, even though there's a car park often in their apartment. Mm. So so the, one of the big things we said was, well, the Apfield train runs three trains an hour, mm. which is a leisurely, almost rural sort of level <laughs> of service. <laughs> we keep commenting, Tim, it's the only line in Melbourne that runs on holiday timetable every day of the year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At peak hour, I think it gets down to 17 or 18 minutes between trains. Mm, 18, seven, I think it is, yeah. Yeah, well, that's yeah. really... That's really it's uh, crazy. Cutting, cutting it fine, isn't it? Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's still three trains an hour, really. Yes, it is. Yeah. And... <laughs> You know, you need five or six trains an hour for yep. it to be a service where you don't need to look at your watch. You do and, indeed. And for for this at this level, so it's very interesting. As a political candidate, I would stand at the stations to meet people, and there would be five or ten minutes of nothing, mm-hmm. and then a gradually increasing surge yep. of, mm. of people belting in, often running towards the end, because they have clearly they know the time. Mm. And they've been cleaning their teeth and then sprinting to the train station, yeah. and um, so it's a so you see that, and then you see the expressions on their faces when they're five seconds too late, mm. and you know um, uh, you can just see what an impact that has on people when the service is really just not running uh, to to what its capacity ought to be. And so that leads us to... So that was the biggest issue. That was the thing where we got more signatures and more support than anything was to... More trains on the uphill. But how do you achieve that? So the government line has been, well, look, we can't fit any more trains through the loop. We've got to wait for Melbourne Metro. Um, and Long wait. And, and locals, astute locals have pointed out, well, the other issue is that the last leg of the line from Gowrie Station to Upfield, way up in the north, is single track. And until that's duplicated, you can't run 10-minutely services. Now, um, there, there is a sort of a, a little way around this, mm. but they're basically right because, you know, it's not as if I'm just campaigning to improve transport in Brunswick. The whole northern suburbs needs a better service, and it's a growth area, that both vertically in terms of apartments mm. and, and laterally in terms of 
of suburbs just being declared on dairy farms to our north. So um, the um, the solution clearly is to do this duplication. The land's there. It, it, it will be one of the cheaper public transport spends and um, it, it's clearly called for for all sorts of reasons, whether it's social equity, um, pollution, you name it. We need We need a proper service on a proper dual track yeah well of course you could run um trains as far as i think it's i think it's coburg where the track goes single gary gary Gary. sorry you could run maybe double you know an improved service to gary and run every second train to the end of the line that that would be a possibility it, it interim. Would, it would only be interim. Wouldn't certainly yes. wouldn't be a fix. Mm. Yes, it, uh, it, it would. And in fact, I think there's a sort of a crossover point at Coburg, and right. we suggested well, one way around this would be to insert an additional service between the existing ones, which just ran from mm-hmm. Spencer Street to Coburg. Yes. Yeah. So we, you'd avoid the loop, yeah. and that could be a temporary yeah. thing yeah. until the loop's fixed. Yes. But um, you know. The, yeah. the, the completion of the loop is rapidly approaching. By the time they do the thinking and the paperwork to run that service, um, you, you, you know, I think I've been persuaded and I think there's a, mm-hmm. a good case to make to just get on and duplicate that last stretch. Yeah. Yeah. But also, Tim, um, during the, the level crossing works, there's going to be periods where the line's going to be closed. And it would seem. I, I think at least a couple of months minimum. Yeah, so so in that period, it would make sense for them to do the duplication at the same time, so they don't have to later on close it again for the duplication. You're um, you're expecting a lot there. Oh, I know I am. You keep hoping, Tim. You keep hoping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I think um, a report has been done into this. Uh, it hasn't been released yet, um, and. Um, but so, so I think they know what they need to do for this duplication. They probably right. know how many, you know, sleepers and uh, cubic meters of ballast they need, and and what it's going to cost. Um, and I just think someone needs to press go. Um, and what, what about another station up at Campbellfield too? Look, why not? So the Victorian Transport Action Group has, has mm. approached me and said, we don't just need duplication of that last bit. We need to run it up to the Craigieburn line. Yep, yep. There is track. It yep. used to run up that That's way. Right. That's right. To do with the old Ford factory, I think. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Um, the right of, right of way is still there. Yep. So you've and got double line here. on Craigieburn, double line on what well, what would be double line on the upfield, and and then it should be quadruplicated further north so that you know it continues to carry as many trains because they're building suburbs up there. That's right. Um, so Calcallo and and those areas. Uh, and it's interesting, if you look at a population density map of Melbourne, these new suburbs are more dense than the middle ring suburbs. Mm-hmm. So you've got block sizes. If you want to buy a house 40, 50 kilometres away, um, the block sizes you're looking at are 250 to 350 square metres, which is, you know, getting down to sort of Brunswick density mm. back up there. Mm-hmm. Still detached houses. They're not building, you know, three-storey mm. um Flats, which is would no. be ideal, and but, or, or terraces, but they possibly should be building terraces. Yes, yes. Um, <coughs> there's a little bit of terraces going in in some sort of semi-infill places, 
are around somewhere near Croydon. I think they're putting some in, mm-hmm. um, but they're still getting 350 square yeah, metres sure, yeah. because they've got vast double garages, you see. <laughs> of course. <laughs> it's not just mum and dad you've got to accommodate. It's the two cars, mm-hmm. and they need to sleep comfortably somewhere. So, um, the you know, the, the real challenge we've got is that cars... In fact, one day I expect to go into a board meeting and find cars sitting at the table rather than humans. <laughs> that seems to be how our city is being planned. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a that's a terrible thing to say, but so true. More, more broadly, you you were saying that you, <clears throat> you know, campaigned on the climate change issue, yeah, and um, and just thinking about politics in general, like federally as well as at a state level. There's a real move, I feel, that climate change is now changing the um, h- how politics is happening, considering people leaving the Liberal Party and the election in Wentworth. Yeah, you know. I blame the science teachers. Yeah, <laughs> and the weather people. It's their fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's this, this school kids, uh, mm-hmm. school strike for climate movement seems yeah. to have... Um, crystallised it, you've got a bunch of kids reading textbooks uh, and, and you know, paying attention to their teachers and putting two and two together and realising that uh, there is um, shameful paralysis at the political level. Um, and, you know, I, I can... And, and interestingly, this has come out of Scandinavia, I think, and, mm. and um, they're doing way better than us. So it's no surprise it's taken off here as well. Um, so we're obviously the, the Greens have been um, strongly uh, advocating that we need to phase out coal rapidly. Mm. Um, now, coal probably only accounts for about half of Victoria's emissions, but it's very relevant from a transport perspective because so much of our transport uses the grid. And mm. even private transport will soon be using the grid in the form of electric vehicles. Mm. So having so decarbonising the grid mm. w- is a critical step in terms of um, making our public and private transport sustainable. Yeah. Um, can I say a few things about bikes? Mm, yes. Okay, There's several bike, bike riders in the room. So excellent. Um, oh. And and. You know, interrupt me if I'm going on too long. The the because um, uh, that was the other big thing that we talked about in our campaign. Um, you may recall, um, gosh, was it four years ago, give or take, that the Italian chef was killed on Sydney Road when a car door opened and yep. shoved yep. him into yep. the park truck. That. Yes. Yep. Um, <clears throat> and and there was a a mass bike ride afterwards to to sort of commemorate him and at the same time call for safer cycling conditions Mm. and that led to a bit of paint being put on the road and a couple of car parking spaces being removed and and, and, you know a few modest very modest improvements Um, but essentially the bike lane is a part-time concession to cyclists rather than anything significant and the it's covered in parked cars off peak and it's you know, half bluestone bumps and mm. it's, it's a narrow death yes. trap, really. As cyclists, don't we know it, Tim? Yes, mm. yes. Yeah, so, so we decided that with the growing number of people attempting to live without cars in Brunswick and the growing number of bikes and the fact that 
Um, I think 3056 Brunswick has the highest rate of cycling to work in Australia, possibly. Hmm. It was about 12.5% in the 2016 census. And that's only going to increase with apartment developments. So, so we said, right, well, we need safer cycling conditions in Brunswick. And Sydney Road has been the kind of um, epicentre of this. Let's, let's call for it in Sydney Road. And so we've made that a feature of our campaign. And um, eventually, after being somewhat ignored, we, we got some media, although the headline in the Moreland Leader was parking to go. Um, <laughs> oh, so, gosh. you know, car parking has, is a big thing oh, yes. in, in terms of a co- contested political issue in, mm. in um, Moreland, and that's uh, now to the credit of the council and the, the measures they're taking. But um, so the tension in Brunswick is what do we do about car parking on Sydney Road? Should we retain parking on street or should we replace it with a safe bike lane, which mm. I think if I have my way would be a, a physically separated bike lane, but at least a, a proper bike lane. Um, and so that's something that we now have to work mm. through. I'm, um, I'm advocating to remove the parking because I believe there's no way to have safe cycling conditions on Sydney Road and retain parking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You guys, I, um, oh. I was just going to mention buses. Buses. Yeah. I think we've got to we've got to bring buses into the mix as well. Yeah. Um, buses get forgotten about all the time in Melbourne, but there's lots and lots of main roads in the northern suburbs that don't have bus routes on them, and they should, because the only yeah. way you're going to get a grid right across the whole area is with decent bus services. And not only that. If you've got a limited pot of money to spend on public transport uh, and you want to provide the most services possible, buses win, right? Correct. They win, they win big time, yes, mm. yes. So, and, of course, so, they can be electric. They can be hybrid. They can be electric. Yeah. Plenty of places yep. in the world are now converting from hybrid bus fleets to electric bus fleets. In Melbourne, we haven't even got to the halfway stage. So because of where Brunswick is on the map, it's buses, buses provide our east-west public mm. transport yep. and... Um, trams and, and the occasional train provides our north-south public transport. Yep. Buses and, to a lesser extent, trams are paralysed by traffic congestion. Yeah, correct. Mm. And um, part of that is uh, going to be fixed by the level crossing removal in the north of Brunswick, um, but the, the sort of Glen Lyon Road, Dawson Street, Brunswick Road areas um, will remain um, paralysed. Um, so... I think, ultimately, to improve the bus service there, we need level crossing removal. But we, So we have uh, a good network of buses running east-west across Brunswick, across many of the roads, but mm-hmm. its its problem is it's infrequent. Yep. Services running sort of 20 to sometimes 40-minutely. Well, mostly to an hour. On the, <laughs> I came on the Brunswick because I've currently got a leg injury and can't ride the bike, but I, I came across on the Brunswick um, road bus this morning and it runs twice an hour. And that's in yep. peak hour. Yeah, mm. all yeah. day. So, yeah, yeah, well, some of them are a bit better than that, but the problem with increasing the frequency, again, is traffic congestion. Mm. You, you could still increase the frequency, but you've, you've got, you know, it's a yeah. slow journey. But it's not um, a, but it's not a, that's not a reason to not improve the buses. It's, it's got to be, you know, the congestion's got to be dealt with. And, yes, exactly. And one and, thing and that's finally help. happening in Melbourne is the trams are starting to get, Intersection priority, and I think there are the odd 
smart bus is now getting in, getting in intersection priority as well. Yes, I think that's a that's a really key point. Mm. Um, I just want to mention one other bus route though. Now, the old Commonwealth Games Village, the Parkville Gardens estate, which has um, is getting rapid um, high rise apartment development now, mm-hmm. has only one mode of public transport mm. anywhere near it, and that is a one per hour bus. Yeah. yeah. Um, wow. And it's it's a little known neck of the woods where, you know, if you're fit, you could walk into the city, mm. but it's a quite a walk. And um, all, it, all to Royal Park Station, which is the 20-minute service. Mm. Yes, exactly. It's the same upfield mm. line. So, well, this is an area uh, that, I'm sorry to interrupt him, but we yeah. talked about this when Eugenia and I did a show about women's um, experiences of public transport, and this is an area that studies had shown Royal Park and uh, other areas that women didn't feel safe late at night using public transport so that's another factor as well that's that's a really important point i've yeah. heard that about the upfield um, path which we mentioned mm. in a second but mm. but this parkville <clears throat> gardens bus if i had to pick the most appalling public transport problem in my electorate it's that mm-hmm. um, and also <clears throat> the cheapest to fix yeah you know yep. they, they could run three or four an hour there for a very modest expenditure even just at peak hour and make a lot of people's lives better. The, the other problem is that there's only a couple of roads in and out, mm. and really one road towards the city, mm. and mm. the traffic jam on that is just frightening. Mm. Mm. So uh, people move in and think, gosh, I've got this lovely spot close to the city surrounded by parkland. Yep. But um, basically, I think if I lived there, I'd be at the bike shop. Yeah. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. next yeah. day. It's the only way out. Well, one bus could do a pretty frequent shuttle <laughs> shuttle service to the nearest rail station. It could, and all we'd mm. need to do is run the train a little yeah, more frequently. Fr- exactly. <laughs> Everything would be, be sorted yeah. out. And you reckon I'm being unreal, Tim. Come on. <laughs> but, but that's, I mean, that's interesting, isn't it? That's a, that's, a, that's a service that's had official, you know, it's been looked at quite closely, quite, you know, in the last few years because of the, the Commonwealth Games. And, yep. and yet they've still been content to leave it with an hourly service. So, so I, I should... that, that, that would indicate how the official mind thinks about buses, I'm afraid. Yes, I, I should say there's one single additional service in the morning so that it's sort of half hour at, at best. Uh, <laughs> but, but that's like one and bus. And that, of course, would be a very expensive bus, bus service to supply <laughs> because it no doubt has to come off another service to provide that service. Yeah. Very likely, yes. What does that yeah. person do all day? Mm-hmm. Um, so the, um, so so I think that's a that's a standout example. But that kind of illustrates mm. the problem mm. of um, rapid apartment growth yeah. uh, vertically and carving up farmland to create suburbs to the north. Yeah. And um, but. That is not being connected to mm-hmm. the provision of additional public transport. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you ever bail up Jacinta Allen in the corner of the chamber and have a <laughs> have a go at her about all this stuff because she's the minister in charge. Yes. Well, I've, I've been... The, the ministry's been very welcoming so far and I've mm-hmm. um, been fortunate enough to be able to sit down with Jala Pulford, for minister, the new minister for roads. Right. And Melissa Horn, the new minister for transport, and and make all the points I've made to you. And I, I think, um, and and they've been 
you know, good listeners and, and thoughtful in their responses. Um, so I'm, I'm hopeful, um, but I'm also... I wasn't born yesterday in a political mm. sense, and um, I realise that um, we, we, we can't just ask and expect. Um, we'll need uh, ongoing community organisation and activism to, to see improvements. Okay, Tim, look, we've run out of time, unfortunately, but we'll keep in touch on all this and keep and, and, and catch up, particularly when the Minister does get back to you. Um, so, look, thanks for your time this morning and, um, and good luck with it all. It's been a great okay. pleasure, great show, and thanks for having me. Okay, thanks, good on you, Tim. Tim Reid there, who's the, uh, the Greens member for Brunswick elected last election. Mm. John, I did want to raise this before we go. Um, the headline in the Age last week: windfall for Metro despite late trains, and it um, yes. got a twenty percent increase to seven eighty six million. Yet failed its performance targets two thirds of the time. This is Metro that runs our train system. Mm. Pretty amazing. Yeah, ain't it cosy? <laughs> what a cosy little arrangement. Perhaps we can raise that next month. We also yeah. were supposed to talk about. Um, Mikey today. We'll do it next month. Oh, yes. We'll Inter- get there eventually. Oh, yeah. I, I want to talk more about bicycles. I feel ah. like we only just touched on that, so, yeah. Okay, next yeah. month. Right. We'll, we'll busy, talk busy we'll one talk, next month. We'll yeah. talk some more about buses as well. That, well, <laughs> that, well, that program's organised. How about we finish with a song by Mojo Juju called Train Along the Hawkesbury? Oh, Does that sound nice. good? Yes, yeah, right. very yeah. scenic along the Watch the drunks go stumbling down on the street.